Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. excited to be able to share with you today and I want to talk about um, growing through God's Word and we as Christians or believers we have the opportunity through reading our Bible to actually grow into the image of Jesus Christ and it's not this weird thing it's not like we're gonna start walking super spiritual if you hang out with me at all I am NOT a super religious person I'm not a uh, super spiritual per se from what people look at spiritual but I love spending time in the word of God and allowing it to change me allowing it to change my thinking uh, I am very easily it's very easy for me to have grudges it's very easy for me if somebody wrongs me to be like well I'm done with you thank God for my sake and your guys' sake, that I'm not God. <laughs> thank God that he's not like that, and thank God that he can grow us out of ourselves and into the image of his dear son, to where we can actually forgive people who have wronged us horribly, and we can walk in love with people who are unlovely. We have an example in Jesus Christ to literally impact this world for God's good, his glory. And that's what we're going to start with today. Amen? Amen? All right, if you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 6, it says, I planted, this is Paul talking, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives, gives the increase. You're only going to grow when you spend time in God's Word. The Bible refers to the Word of God as seed, and the Bible also re, uh, refers to God's word as water. And the Bible talks about how you can be cleansed through the washing of the water from the word. And literally, how many guys have, I'm going to give my life to Jesus, and we still act the same way? I'm the only one? Okay, there's two of us in here. You guys, I don't know what you're doing on earth. You should just go straight up to heaven. <laughs> us two people that raised our hands. What happens is when we ask Jesus into our heart, we're like, Lord, I want to live my life for you. I don't, no longer I who live, but Christ, your ways. There's two of us here, okay? <laughs> it's going to be a hard service. Just started. Okay. God waters us when the seed's planted in our heart. He waters us, and he causes the growth. I remember somebody talking to me, actually a family member, about six months, seven months ago, like, it's amazing how much nicer you are. And they weren't meaning it as a slam, and I didn't take it as a slam. They're like, there's just something so different about you. And, you know, the, when I was younger, I tried to be a good Christian. I tried to uh, do all the right things. And the more I tried to do it, I would do good for a couple days. But, man, when I failed, I failed well. I was good at failing. And God knows that we are good at failing his standards. So what happened was I started focusing on what the Word says. I started reading my Bible. The Word was planted in my heart. And then as I'm reading the Bible, I'm literally, I'm, it's watering that seed on the inside of me to where God brings the increase. 
to where it's not an effort now that I'm giving. I'm not trying to be different. I am changing into the image of Christ because I'm spending time in his word. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Things that will happen when you spend time in God's word through reading scripture, um, you're going to know who God is. You're going to know where man is without God. You're going to know who the devil is. You're going to know who Jesus is. And you're going to know what a believer has or who he is and what he has in Christ and how a believer is to conduct their life. That's what happens when you spend time in the Word of God. Why do we need to know Scripture? Why do I need to know my Scripture? Here's why. The Scripture can be twisted. You ever talk to somebody and you said something and they said what you said, but it wasn't how you said it, so it was totally different? We can do that with God's word. And I'm going to show you an example. If you turn to Genesis chapter 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb of the field that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given you every green herb for food, and it was so. And then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And you might say, why did you read that? This is why. In the beginning, God made man in his image and his likeness. How many guys, when you look at God, you see somebody, or you think of God, you think of somebody that's powerful. You think of somebody that has authority. You think of somebody that's above things, not sitting there trying to, on the come up, but is already arrived, right? God literally made man in Genesis to be like he was. There was nothing that God created that man was under. But everything that God created was under man, and man was under God. You guys getting this? Okay, why am I saying that? Let's turn to Genesis 2.15. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. This is going to get better. You guys, I want you to really focus on what it said. God said right here in verse um, 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall surely what? Die. Okay. So then we skip some time. We go to Genesis 3. We don't know how much time this was, but this is what happens. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now think about this. What the devil does, he knows scripture. He knows what God says. And he comes to Eve and he says, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Now here's the interesting thing. 
he twisted what God said, and he got her to think, God doesn't want you to be like him. But you know that she was already just like him? She already was in a state of authority over all the animals, over all the creepy things, the creepy things. She had dominion over it. You guys ever been to a zoo or watched the YouTube videos to where a little kid looks at a lion and the lion's like, hey. You ever seen that? And it looks like the lion goes in this like, what happened there with man's dominion? That lion ain't scared of that baby. You know what happened? Because man ate, man fell, so we lost our dominion. Now, if you're in a jungle, you see a lion, unless you're really tough, you're going to be scared. And you're going to be really, really scared if you don't have a gun. You know why? We lost our dominion. Trying, getting deceived, twisting scripture, what the devil did. Oh, God doesn't want you to be like him. Actually, what happens when they ate of the fruit, they were less like God than they've ever been. And we've just been in a downward spiral ever since. Going swimming in the ocean. I'll never forget this. I was in Dubois Park. You guys familiar with that in Jupiter? Okay, I'm sitting there. Me and my uh, cousins and my brother were... We're uh, wrestling in the water, and we're a little bit outside. We're almost like to the, the, the channel, but we're not quite there. And we're wrestling, and we're having a great time. And all of a sudden, this shark swims right in front of us, like right in between us. So I'm standing, like, I'm right here. Somebody's like a few feet. You know, we just did a splash and a throw, and it was a bull shark. And we all went like, <laughs> we were not in dominion. Now, I know the odds of getting attacked by a shark are slim, but we were terrified. You know why? Because bull sharks are mean. You might say bull shark, but it's true. They're mean. <laughs> they're terrifying. They're the most aggressive sharks there. And you know what we did? We all paused, and we're like thinking of Jaws. We're like, don't splash. He already knows we're there. We were splashing. That's why he came to say hello. So what do we do? We were like, you ever see kids just freeze in the water? You know what's going on. <laughs> kids are like, ah, it's the water, we're happy. And then all of a sudden they're like this, you know, be careful. Don't splash. Why? Because man's lost the dominion. We might be the top of the food chain, but we got to earn that spot. Animals can come and animals can actually eat us. They can hurt us. We're in a different position than God intended for man. Matthew 3, 16 through 17. You might say, well, I don't know. What's the point of knowing scripture? I'm going to tell you. Do you know that the devil, when he went at Jesus, now think about this. This is the first time, uh, first encounter face to face. You know the devil came at Jesus with scripture? Now think about this. The devil's, we see it in Genesis. He came after Eve with what, well, did God really say this? And you know that the devil's first attack for most Christians is the word of God. Because most Christians don't know the context of what God's saying. So when they hear a scripture that they don't understand, guess what? A lot of times, you know they say the devil's in the details? The devil sitting there has an agenda to mess up your life and to break the fellowship that you have with God. So what happens? He comes at Jesus... Matthew 3, 16 and 17 says, And when he, this is talking about Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. 
and suddenly a voice came from heaven. This is my beloved. You know, I almost think of Darth Vader just because it's like, wow. You know, you hear Darth Vader like, Luke, I am your father. I mean, it just sounds powerful. So I picture this like Jesus is there. He has his head dunked. He's up, and all of a sudden, the, the clouds part. You got the light like the Lion King. Remember the Lion King pride rock? is like, this is just my mind going. And all of a sudden, you see the light, and it says, Simba, I mean, this is my beloved son. You know, like, just awesome. And you know, it probably gives you goosebumps. It just gives me goosebumps, whatever. Um, but this is an amazing moment. It said, not that this is my beloved son, but also this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And when you're a kid, the most important thing in their life is to please your dad. And when you're, we're always striving, we want the, oh, that a boy. And those people who never had dads, they'll find a father figure sometimes and they'll want to impress. Why? It's in us to be pleasing to a father figure. God put that in us. So Jesus has this. And then he goes, and then it says uh, immediately in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, it says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God. Now, how many places have you been, and all of a sudden the heavens open and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased? I've never been to anything like that. I've never experienced that. But that'd be something that you wouldn't soon forget 40 days later. Right? I mean, it's like, all right, this happened. There's a bunch of witnesses. I remember hearing it. I was there. But he's in a, a weakened state. How many guys have ever fasted before? I started intermittent fasting, and the first few days, I thought I was going to die. You know, it's like, oh, you have an eight-hour window to eat all your food, and you're fasting for six hours. It was rough for me. Now I can do it easy. But the first start, I was like, oh, how do people do this? This is impossible. No, it's not impossible. There's millions of people doing it. But Jesus fasts for 40 days. And when he fasts for 40 days, his body's weak, he's weak. And the first thing the devil comes when he's weak or in a weakened state, he says, if you are the son of God. How many of us get that? If you are a Christian, are you really saved? What does the devil do? He comes at what God's scripture says, and he's always, he's not directly against it. He's a countermeasure. Did he really mean what he said? Does God really forgive all your sins? You're really, 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 really good at sinning. You are not as good a sinner as Jesus is a savior. And I'm going to show you how good of a Savior he is. This is what Jesus said. Uh, the devil said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said to him, How did Jesus respond to Scripture being twisted at him? You know what he did? He spoke Scripture. He said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know what's interesting? He hit the devil twice. He did a one-two here. He hit him with, I'm doing what God said. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And here's the second thing. Uh, he said, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, didn't God just say, you are my beloved son? He did a one-two with Scripture. I thought that was cool. That's like the nerdiness in me. And verse 4, he said, but he answered, uh, verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God. Now here he goes again. 
How many of us deal with the same temptation? If you are saved, why do you keep doing this? We got the devil's playbook here. If you are the son of God. Why was he saying, if you are the son of God? Let me tell you something. When Jesus is hungry and he's in a weakened state, he's probably like, oh, I'm the son of God. I can't turn these stone to bread. But why couldn't he? Because he was to be tempted and tested. He was, you guys ever buy a new car before? You ever go open the door and you get that new car smell? And it's like, ah, I never want this to change. And then life happens. And it never smells new again. And you could take it and it could get detailed. And it's like so awesome. And it doesn't smell the same. Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted in a weakened state. Yet the Bible said he was tempted without sin. So literally, the devil's coming to test him, to give all his effort. If you really are the son of God, do this. And Jesus being weakened and tempted, yet without sin. We, when we are tempted, sin is close by. Guys, you see that girl walking by? Sin is close by. Women, when you see that guy, oh, he's so nice. Sin is close by. Let me tell you something. Men are never as good as your fantasies. We're just not that good. We're really not. We're very simple in nature. We want to be good. We want to be. And you, when, when my girl's like, hey, babe, you're so awesome, I'm like, yeah, I am. If she only knew. No, I'm just kidding. You know how much effort it takes for us to be as awesome and sweet? I got to read my word. Because when I read my word, the Bible says how Christ loves the church. And then he shows me, this is how you love your wife, bro. This is how you get her to like, hey, what's up, babe? And it works. He knows what he's talking about. Because when I treat my wife like Christ loves the church and I give myself for her, it's amazing. There she is right there. I'm just smiling happily in love. She's like, what are you doing? I want the world to see. And also, those of you who are with us on Facebook, welcome. <laughs> uh, I was supposed to do that earlier, but it's okay. <laughs> Gotta have fun. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. And then verse 5, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now, isn't that interesting? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, it is written again, you shall not, what did he say? Tempt the Lord your God. Don't put yourself in situations where God's going to have to bail you out on purpose. He's not your puppy. He's your God. You don't sit there, put yourself in a stupid situation on purpose, be like, I'm going to show you how good God is. I'm going to be an idiot, and God's going to come through for me. It says in Scripture, don't tempt God. You've actually had that through history, people trying to do to get God to move. He doesn't work that way. He wants you to use the brain that he gave you, use the gray matter, and when you mess up, he's faithful and just to forgive, and he shows up, but don't tempt him. He's not your show and tell, hey, look what I got. When I push this button, he does this. He's not that, right? You guys getting something? And again, the devil took him up to exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these things I'll give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is what? 
written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The devil can twist scripture. You know how Jesus overcame the devil? Through scripture. I'm gonna tell you another thing. People can twist scripture. We can sometimes twist scripture to get it to say what we want it to say and not what he was actually saying. You guys getting this? It's a little bit of a tough message, but we're just, we're going to go through, right? Psalms 37, 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So many of us, when we read this scripture, we're like, you know what? I want that new house. If I delight my, if I spend time with God, I'm going to get that new car. I'm going to get that new house. Let me show you the, the desires of my heart. You guys have the picture? What? Man. All right. Bummer. Well, this is the picture. <laughs> this is a picture of a Bugatti Chiron Pure Sport. It is almost $4 million, and it is amazing. I cannot afford it, so don't sit there and be like, Oh, this is not, look what God did for Chris. <laughs> this, this is not one of those. But I'm showing you how so many people can get their mind off the heart and the things of God, and we look at God like this spiritual cash cow or this spiritual genie. Hey, I am going to serve you because you're going to give me the desires of my heart. And we deceive ourselves into thinking that the desires of our heart are material things and not the hidden things, the spiritual things that God has for us. Here's the thing, the desires of your heart. How many of you guys ask Jesus into your heart? A couple of us? It's probably good. We're in church. You know, should have a couple of us. <laughs> okay, most of us were not sitting there searching for God. But God sit there through the word that was spoken, the seed planted, and the water of the word. And that caused our heart to yearn for something it never yearned for before. We weren't looking for God. God came looking for us, spoke his word, and our hearts responded. The same thing goes for the scriptures. Seek, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of what? The hidden man of the heart. The things that you don't even know why you do. So many of us, some of us, we like going shopping. Some of us are like, if I just buy this one thing, that's going to make me happy. If I just get this one more thing, if I just get this promotion, then I'll feel like my self-worth, that I'm worthy. Am I the only one? You guys are quiet today. So we sit there and we push our desires, and then what happens the deceitfulness of sin, we go to God, we're like, you know what, God? You're not doing what you said in your word you're doing. The desires of my heart. No, he didn't come to give you the desires of your flesh and your mind. He came to give you the desires of your heart. To where you'd have complete shalom, wholeness, to where in everything in life you walk in the peace of God. Good times, bad times. Great diagnosis bad diagnosis, you're walking in that peace of God, knowing that your God is with you. Uh, here's another scripture. It says, um, where are we at right here? You guys ready for this? Uh, First Thessalonians 
5, 17 says, pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So what do we do? I've heard this before where people are like, you better thank God for that sickness. You better pray that God shows you. How many of you guys ever felt like God put sickness on people? That God's showing you something. This is how people can twist scripture. I need something, guys. You guys are like, I feel like I'm giving it my all today. I got, I got Eric here. I'm serious. You on Facebook, give me a like or something. I'm just kidding. In everything, give thanks. It doesn't say in the Bible, for everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Why is that the will of God? Because in everything, when your God is with you, you can get out of anything. Because you're giving thanks in everything, not for everything. This is what I think is so funny. A lot of people who believe that. God's showing me something. Well, if it's God's will for you to be sick, don't go to the doctor. Stop for a second, because this is where it gets where somebody says that I said something that I didn't say. Go to the doctor, but don't hide behind twisted scripture and act spiritual like God's showing me this sickness for a reason, and then go to the doctor, because you're against God. Use the scripture in everything. Go to the doctor. Use wisdom. Have the doctor do all they can you do all you can by casting the care on the Lord and then watch God do something amazing. You guys seeing it? This is not a, well, don't go to the doctor. No, go to the doctor. You know that Jesus, almost every miracle he performed, he told the people, go show yourself to the priest. It was equivalent to saying, go show yourself to the doctor and make sure you get a clean bill of health. Jesus is not contrary to doctors. Doctors are not contrary to Jesus. God created the earth and the fullness thereof, the medicines we have, the wisdom that we have from doctors, and use your faith in line with it. Amen? All right. What happens when things get twisted in Scripture? Well, I go to church. I've even given money. I'm a good person. Then what happens? The fourth and final thing. I tried that God stuff and it didn't work. No, God's Word tried you and you didn't work. You don't try scripture and it doesn't work. When you try scripture and it doesn't work, you are trying it your way, not his way. God's not going to be second fiddle. You can do it his way and get his results, or you can do it your way and get your results. But don't get your results to be, these are God's results. Like showing a test. Look, God got an F. He failed at this. That's what we're doing. And the sad thing is our witness we're showing people, we're saying all the right things to our friends, but then it's like, did God really not show up for you? He was such a good person. And you know, he, he lost his house. No, do it God's way, 100%, in everything. If you're struggling about to lose your house, stand in faith, stand that God gives you a way of escape, and that God provides all your needs. And if you lose the house, guess what? God's going to provide a way where you can get an apartment or you can get another house. Why? Because you do it his way. You can't sit there in the trenches, rebel against God, and then walk out and say, well, I followed the orders. Amen? Okay. <laughs> How do we get this? God is not our spiritual genie. 
He's not the guy where we could sit there and, I don't know whose water bottle this is. I'm not going to drink it. Don't worry. Oh, it's my wife's. I can drink it. But it's not like, God, I need you to show up. I'm praying. I'm doing what you said. I'm seeking you first. I need the desires of my heart. My friends are here. You're kind of embarrassing me. You guys ever see any of the Marvel movies? Okay, I love the Marvel movies. Do you guys see the, uh, the Endgame? I think it was Endgame. I don't remember if it was Infinity War or Endgame. But all of a sudden, Hulk comes back and he's sent through the Bifrost. I'm going to totally geek out on you guys here. So he gets sent through the Bifrost and this thing that transforms, trans, it takes him from different worlds, all right? Transports, thank you. And he shows up in Doctor Strange, who is a wizard, shows up in his house. Like, just makes a huge mess. And then all of a sudden, these aliens show up. And the Hulk, who's sitting there, it's Bruce Banner. I guess he's not the Hulk, he's Bruce Banner. He's sitting there, and he's about to fight, and Iron Man's like, come on, dude. And he's second now, we need the Hulk. And he's like, and he was having performance issues. The Hulk wasn't coming out. Hulk got scared. The Hulk wasn't coming out when Bruce Banner wanted him to. And Bruce Banner was of no help to the Avengers. Bruce Banner by himself is no help to the Avengers, the world's heroes. Bruce Banner in the Hulk can change things. We when we're sitting there trying to do things our way, but get God to do it for us, we're of no help to the world. We're of no help to the people that we need to reach. But when we do it God's way, we can literally see God's results and we can change the uh, circumstances. Um, scripture interprets scripture. And you might say, well, how is that? So if the devil can twist scripture and people can twist scripture, how do we know if we're studying the scripture how do we know if we're interpreting it rightly? I'm glad you asked. Scripture interprets Scripture. Here's things for, um, for Bible interpretation. You have to know, who is it written to? 1 Corinthians 10.32 says it gives, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor the Gentiles, nor the church of God. So if we stop right there, the only thing that God's ever talking about in Scripture or talking to, he's either talking to the Jewish people, he's either talking to the Gentiles, or he's talking to the church. So when you're reading your Bible, you have to ask yourself, who's he talking to? Is he talking to the Jewish people? Is he talking to the Gentiles? The Jewish people are born from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're born of the promise. That's Jewish people, that's the, the Israelis. They're born from Abraham, Father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's not just Abraham, because Abraham was also the father of Ishmael and all the, uh, the uh, Arab nations. You guys getting this? I'm geeking out on you. So then you have the Gentiles. And the Gentiles in Scripture are any other group of people that are not Jewish. So all the way in the Old Testament, you have the Jews and the Gentiles. Then, about 2,000 years ago, Jesus comes down, dies on the cross, is rose again, and then you have the church. Now, in the Old Testament, there was bits and pieces of the church. You could kind of see it later when you look back. Oh, he was talking about the church. But you have to know who he's talking to 
for, uh, to understand Scripture. Genesis 1 through 11, chapters 1 through 11, God's talking to Gentiles. There was no Jewish people. Adam was there. Adam sinned, so everybody's a Gentile. Nobody has a covenant with God. Then God cuts covenant in verse, uh, chapter 12. He cuts covenant with Abram. Changes his name to Abraham. You guys getting this? Okay. So he brings up a man named Abram. He's the father of the Jewish nation. And from the Jewish nation, you have Jesus. And from Jesus, we have you and me. We getting it? All right, I got four minutes. Buckle up. We're going to rightly divide 1 Thessalonians. Ready? We're going to see who he's talking to and what is he talking about. 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon the pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so in this day should not overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, as a helmet of hope and salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should no longer live, we should live, we should live together with him. Sorry. That is a lot of information. What is he talking about? He's talking about the day of Jesus. He's talking about the end days, the day of judgment, and that we as a church are not appointed unto God's wrath. When he's saying be sober, he's not telling everybody you can't have a beer. So many people who drink beer, they're like, oh my gosh, that's it. It got me. It's not talking about that. But you shouldn't be drunk. You shouldn't be excessive. Use wisdom. We're adults here. All right? So he's saying be sober-minded. What is he saying? Don't be impaired by the circumstances around you. Be sober-minded knowing that the circumstances around you are just pointing towards the days that are ahead or the coming days of the end. The world's going to get darker, but be sober-minded don't be clouded by circumstances. You ever see the news lately? We got a lot of crazy stuff going. 2020, crazy stuff. Don't be drunk off worry and fear, but be sober-minded knowing that we're not appointed to wrath. In whatever situation we're in, God's with us. Does that make sense? You guys getting it? Now, whether we wake or sleep. Now, it's not saying some people can twist scriptures. They just talk about sleeping. We can't even go to sleep. People get weird. It's talking about people who have fallen asleep, talking about died naturally, but are with Christ. So we as believers, whether we're in the presence of God because we've fallen asleep, passed away, or we're alive on the earth, what does it say? We should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other, edify one another, we're also doing. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you, that's pastors, like Pastor Mike, Pastor Donna, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. It's not that they're over you like if Pastor Mike tells you to do something, you better do it. He's over you in the Lord to where he's giving account at the end, when it's all said and done, 
Pastor Mike, Pastor Don are going to give account about how well they led you guys in their church. So you should admonish them, you should respect them, because they're the ones that are going to be judged for your growth. Whew, not me, but you. <laughs> That's why I only come up here a couple times a year. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you guys are hard to cook. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Okay. You guys are getting sidetracked. <laughs> I charge. <laughs> okay, it's getting worse. Okay. It's, okay. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for both yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And do not quench the spirit, and do not despise prophecies. Test all things, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every evil. What is that saying? In the context of this, is that saying, thank God for your sickness? No, no, Chris. It was so clearly stated. <laughs> okay, I guess it wasn't. <laughs> There's next week, Pastor Mike. I'm going to do one more thing. What do we do if we stumble? How many people have stumbled since they've followed Jesus? Okay, we're finally honest in here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was a good message. We started with two and we got you all. I'm <laughs> just kidding. So... What about believers who stumble? Romans 8, 1 through 6, it says, There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit, which is life in Christ Jesus, has made you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh. And we're going to stop there. The law could never get you right with God. The law revealed to you that you could never get right with God. The law was your effort. Hey, you want God to be happy with you? Just do these 10 commandments. And everybody naturally is like, 10 things? I could do 10 things. But then the Pharisees, they thought they mastered the law. And I said this last, week, or last couple weeks ago. They thought they mastered the law. And then Jesus throws this. He said, listen, you who think you've mastered the law, thou shalt not commit adultery. But you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. So those who thought they mastered the law end up failing miserably because they looked at a woman lustfully. No guy has ever done that in this room, obviously. But the Pharisees did it. <laughs> we just gotta be real and be real and be real. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. They set their minds on things to to fill the void. If I just have this boat, if I just have this car, if I just have this motorcycle, if I just have this position, if I just get that client, we're constantly trying to put things in our heart that we think are going to fulfill us. And then when we get them, we're like, oh, I just got to go to the next thing. Never satisfied. For those who live, uh, um, but those who live according to the spirit set their things on the spirit. We're not sitting there. Our self-worth is not based on what we have. It's who we have with us, Jesus Christ. Is that making a difference? For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Second Peter 1, 1 through 10 says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness in our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. 
through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, or God's life for you, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5, but also for this very reason, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance. It's the list. You ever get the list, the honeydew list? Yes. <laughs> when you read that, it sounds easy, but then you go out to try to do it, it's harder than you think it is. And this used to, to stump me, and it used to get me all worked up, because I used to start out with this, but I couldn't do it. And godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and this is, this is the full circle right here. This is what I want you guys to get. You have forgotten that you were cleansed from your old sin. If I take these glasses off, I don't even know who I'm looking at. <laughs> I'm nearsighted. Things have to be right in front of me for me to see what's going on. As believers, when we forget that we were cleansed from our sins, it's literally spiritual nearsightedness to where you've forgotten that you're free from the sin. You've forgotten that the things that God's called you out of were his effort and his ability. You guys getting this? Yeah, one of us. <laughs> I love you guys. This message was a lot of information. I love lots of information. My wife calls it uh, inputting. I'll sit there and I'll read like for hours, just taking in information. Because I want to know how things work. I want to know why I'm put in a position with God. And I want you to know why you're put in a position with God. It's not a spiritual thing like, oh, I'm so, so I'm not, I don't read my Bible to get your approval. I read my Bible to find out what Jesus died for, what he lived for, and what he rose again for. And what that means to me. It's not to be these super spiritual people, and everybody knows the super spiritual people. You ask them, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed beyond all measure. And they say this like five or ten Bible verses. Jesus wasn't that way. I don't want to be that way. I want to be a guy that in the midst of life, I know my God has got my back. And if you're in the midst of life, I could tell you, your God has your back. This is why. It's the scriptures. And when we know the scriptures, when we hear that somebody's saying a scripture that's off, we're in first priority in Santa Lucia's, and I'm going to close with this. Santa Lucia's, and we had like, I think it was, uh, how many kids, babe? We had to use the auditorium for Santa Lucia's. It was divine, like just the guy, we became good friends, and we had this big event, and this guy got up, and he did this message, and he scared the hell out of the children. You might say, what do you mean? He told all the kids, if you're a Christian and you do something wrong and you die, you're going to hell if you didn't ask for forgiveness. So all the kids in the auditorium were like, oh, I did something last night. I did something, I cheated on a test. They were terrified. So me being who I am, I immediately got up there and been like, everything he just said is wrong. I didn't make friends that day, but this was the importance of it. <laughs> this is why I did that. Do you want to serve a God who's looking for every reason not to let you into heaven? Or do you want to serve a God who did everything he could to get you to heaven? Yeah. 
So when you know scripture and you can see that somebody's twisting it for an altar call, that's selfish. Just so they can say, oh, I did an altar call and all the kids raised it. Yeah, all the kids raised their hand because they're afraid that God's going to smite them or that they were in the process of being smoted. Okay? So when you know scripture, you could sit there and say, hey, that's not what the Bible says. This is actually what it says. You can grow in the image of God and you could sit there when somebody's twisting scripture, whether it be the devil or it be somebody, and let's, let's be honest, Sometimes I've twisted scripture. I didn't know what I was saying. It's like, oh man, I said that. Ooh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> but guess what? As we grow into the image of God and we spend time with him, we're able to say, that's not true. That's a lie. If, where does it say? And I said this, where does it say in scripture, if you mess up, that God won't forgive you if you die? Our forgiveness was 2,000 years ago. Our forgiveness as a people, we were future sins to Jesus, yet our sins were paid for 2,000 years ago. That's how good of a Savior we have. So if you mess up, remember that you were cleansed of your sins. Remember, when you spend time in the Word of God, your life will transform. Whether I plant, my dad waters, Pastor Eric waters, plants, God brings the increase in you, and when He brings the increase, that's true growth. And nobody can take your growth away from you. Love you guys. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Now the reason we do this, this is just sometimes people get embarrassed, they get shy. I'm going to ask you if you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not going to call you down here. I'm not going to embarrass you. Everybody keeps their head bound. I just want to know who I'm praying for. And then later discreetly, I'll let you know what you did. But when you give your heart to Jesus, you say, not my will, but your will be done. That's the whole purpose of the church. The whole reason we're here, the whole reason we exist is to evangelize or preach the gospel, the good news about what Jesus did for us, get people to get baptized. That's literally like a, a, a wedding ceremony where you show everybody, hey, me and God have a relationship now. It's like what Jesus did. You, you dunk your head underwater, you come back up, and to make disciples. Those are the three things that the church's whole purpose is here for. So the first thing is, is everybody where they want to be with God. And I'm going to give you this time. Just look at me. I'm looking around real fast. If you want a relationship with God, I want you to raise your hand right now. Anybody? Let's see. I'm looking real fast. I see you. I see your hand. God is so good. That's our whole purpose for being here. Okay. Now that we have forgotten that we were cleansed for our sins, and we're like, you know what? I want to remember. Raise your hand. All right. I see your hands. I see your hands. God's so good. All right. Everybody look at me. This is what we're going to do. Let's say this together as a church family. Father God, Father God I, believe I believe your son Jesus Paid for my sin. Rose again. I believe in my heart. Confess with my mouth. Your son Jesus is my Lord. Amen. That's it. That's how easy it is. That's literally how easy it is. And that's where we got to show people how real God is, how real we are. We make mistakes, you know. And it's 11-11. My bad. I went over. I apologize. 
what we're going to do now is we're going to take up the tithes and offerings. Now listen, this is not one of those things where you're going to give God some money and he is going to make it to where you're all millionaires. No, that's not it. This is an opportunity for you to be connected with the heart of God for Faith Family Church so we can continue to meet here in this amazing facility that uh, Grace Presbyterian has provided for us and we can continue to get people saved and to make disciples, to get them baptized and make disciples. That's what our purpose is here. So if you are connected with the cause and the vision of Faith Family Church, now's the time to just show it. God loves a cheerful giver. He loves, uh, actually the Bible says hilarii. You know what that means? Hilarii? It means hilarious. It's what we get our word from. He loves somebody that's like, oh, you got a need? I'm going to give it to you. Don't give to go broke and don't give to make something of yourself. Give with every opportunity you have with the joyful heart. That's what the cause is. We don't want people here like, oh, I gave to that church again. No. Keep your money. We, we don't need that. We need people who are connected with the cause of Jesus Christ for Faith Family Church, connecting people to Christ through community. We have life. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.